But I do, it appears to me that God wants to use the church in these days and uh, pray that we can reach as many people as we can and that we'll be faithful in lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. On the camp meeting, anybody got any, raise your hand if you need a handout. They've got them there. If you need them, just flag your hand. The camp meeting theme is to the glory of God. Just that simple, to the glory of God. And I want to get a big banner hung somewhere out here in these trees, a great big old banner where when you're driving here on Sunday mornings, to the glory of God. I'd like to have a banner over that tabernacle. Anyway, pray that God would give us direction. I'll give you a little thought. I called somebody this week and told them, if you're interested in a ministry, uh, you know the camp, the, the tabernacle was a mobile situation. What if after we got it all made, now this, you know, this ain't me going to do this because I, I, can't, I can't take it on, but if somebody would think about this, if we got it all made, and we had, you know, uh, trailers, box trailers, that were, it would hold all that furniture and everything that's involved in it. And we'd go to a city and find a lot or a church that had a space and set it up and have three or four days where and advertise and promote it and people could come in and take them on guided tours through the tabernacle and just move it from place to place throughout the United States. Reach a lot of people. Take a lot of work. Take a lot of dedication, but boy, you talk about a ministry. Uh, when you go, take people through that thing, every possibility in the world, you take them up that brazen altar, you can talk to them about sin. I mean, it's just Christ and salvation all the way through. Everything it touches, everything it mentions. And boy, you know, I, I can just see a, a nice, you know, 28, 30 foot box trailer, you know, ground walk in <laughs> level, and all this stuff's right in this exact place, kind of like Don Zinn's tool box trailer, you know. And you just pull up there, and we have a tent, get a regular tent, big tent, see, and set it, and then we put this thing inside it, and people come and go through it. You're talking about, if you want to minister, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're interested in serving God, there are so many ways. You, I was just sitting at the table, and it's like God said, Reggie, you know this thing's mobile, don't you? I said, well, yeah. Well, make it mobile. <laughs> anyway, let's get into our deal tonight. Let's go through the ones this morning. The uh, first thing we said... Uh, this morning was, and number one, that this is a, the, the altar of incense, the golden altar is a picture of prayer. And that's what it's about. God wants us to see prayer, understand the, all the aspects of it. We see that from Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 5, Psalms chapter 141. And we talked about the place of prayer. It was before the veil, before the Ark of the Covenant, before the mercy seat, and particularly before the mercy seat. And it's God's mercy that we can come before him. Amen. By the way, Terry, how's your mom doing? I heard she wasn't doing too good, just so-so. We're praying for you and want to encourage you in the Lord, okay? I mean that. And number three, the position of prayer it was before the veil, before it, it, Christ. And Christ is our advocate. Christ is our intercessor. It's the position of prayer. It's not so much the physical position as it is an humble position before God, before that mercy seat. Then we talked this morning about the power of prayer and the horns on that. If you want to put that, could you put that up there on there, guys? I'd appreciate it. I never thought about that, but did just then. Uh, when you see those horns on the altar... <clears throat> They, it, it, that speaks of the power of prayer. Uh, I don't have time tonight to go into a lot, but there's a true story that happened in World War II over in the Philippines. Uh, I don't know how many, how many has ever heard of Darlene Rose? Anybody heard of Darlene Rose? Darlene Rose was taken captive. She's a missionary taken captive by the Japanese in, in World War II. This is not her, but there were several situations like that. In fact, there were several hundred missionaries taken captive. But this one lady, I believe she was actually out of Minnesota, you guys, from Minnesota. 
and uh, I think this is some uh, this is where they was originally from. But her husband, the Japanese, had taken control of the area, and uh, they were they imprisoned several people. But some of the people they were like under house arrest; they couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do certain things. And twice they had taken her husband from the house, who was a missionary, and killed. Uh, and I'm talking about when I kill, I'm talking about cut their heads off with swords. And somehow or another, he, he, they never had picked him to do it. I don't know how many of you know about the Japanese occupation of the Philippine Islands, but it was horrific. It was horrific. Uh, some of the awfulest atrocities you've ever seen done on men. I mean, they literally took swords and ripped babies out of living women's uh, bellies. I mean, it was bad. And, and would throw them up in the air and let them land on their spear and that kind of thing. It's horrible. Uh, they came one night and they, they took her husband. And she said inside her heart, she knew that this was, you know, that in fact, one of the Japanese soldiers said, you've, you've come back twice before, but you're not coming back this time. We're going to kill you tonight. And she got on her knees on the mat in that uh, Filipino hut house and she began to pray. And uh, she prayed through the night. She wouldn't, and she just said, I just couldn't get up. It's just like if I quit praying, I'd lose him. And she prayed and about three o'clock in the morning, she said it came so heavy upon her that she got the kids up and said, kids, I, the burden's too great. I, I, I've got to have help praying. Pray for your daddy. And in about an hour after that, her husband, she heard her husband's footsteps coming. She said, I, I mean, she, I knew his footsteps. And she came in and he was blood spattered. Had on the, I forget what they call that jacket the Filipinos wear a lot, but anyway, I can't think of the name of it, but it was blood spattered. And they fell on each other's arms and she said, honey, what's all this blood from? And she said, there were 10, they, they picked out 10 of us, lined us up. And uh, he said, they were, they were going down through there, this Japanese soldier guy and he said he cut he would cut their heads off and he said he got to me cut nine men's heads off and he got to me he said that blood was spattering on us and he said all of a sudden somebody just ran in there his superior officer ran in and said and just hollered and screamed for him to stop and said go to your home and he said I took off and it was at that moment when she felt the burden of prayer so heavy was the time when that happened and I'm telling you something, folks, listen, we, we're going to talk tonight about the passion of prayer, about that battle. And we're talking, I'm sorry that I can't articulate to you better the spiritual warfare that goes on with prayer. I know it's real and I know it's there, but it's hard for me to articulate it. But I'm, I'm telling you something, get a hold of this. You may not understand it either. You may not be able to express it in terms, but there's going to be times in your life whenever the demonic powers, I, I'm just going, I'm, I haven't even told my wife this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I haven't told anybody that this week. I've been in such a spiritual warfare. There was a time this week. Uh, this is bad to say. It was like bat-faced creatures coming at me, snarling. It reminded me of like wolves or coyotes after a rabbit or some kind of an animal. And it's like they were wanting to get to me. And there's some kind of restraining power. But it was like their faces were bat-shaped. That's this week. And I'm not saying I could see the tangible. I could, but it was in my, in my mind. There it was. It was right out there like a few feet out in front of me. And there was like a pack of wolves. And what I, and best I could get out of that. I'm not trying to be sensational. I, I, I haven't even told Karen this. But I want to tell you something. There's one thing this preacher knows, that Satan would like to knock me out right now. Bad. 
And it was like if God had unleashed them and backed away in his presence, it was like there was demons from hell that would just have killed me right there. And I'm saying to you, this, when we're into this thing of Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy about prayer and this world of prayer, we are dealing with, most of the time in the Bible, you're dealing with spiritual warfare that you can't see with the physical eye. And we've got to come against Satan in the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't understand it all. I wish I could just grab hold and articulate it and say this, this, in a very logical manner. I, that's what frustrates me. I can't. It's an unseen spiritual war and battle. <clears throat> and I want to encourage you to take this thing seriously because I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't do what this church is doing without an attack from hell. And, uh, you know, it's, it's there. Well, we talked about the power of prayer. And I just want to tell you this. I cried out to God. I prayed. And several times this week, I've just dropped on my knees. I said, God, I need you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know, where, I don't know what's happening. You know, I was talking to Brother Benny this morning when he was here about this issue. Job never knew what went on between God and Satan up there. He never saw it, could not see it, but it was there. It was real nonetheless. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what Satan is telling God that if you'll let me do this to Reg, I'll show you. And it's kind of amazing to me that we're studying grace so much because what's going to take us through is grace. What's going to hold us is the grace of God. And, uh, but there's power in prayer. And I'm going to tell you, when I call out in the name of Jesus, buddy, I'm going to tell you, what I, I've told this before, I don't have, I'm not a sensationist. I don't, don't, I don't put much stock in people's dreams and experiences, and I don't put much stock in mine. But when we lived in a mobile home just across the yard from where we're at, I was going through a very difficult time. And one night I literally woke up and this sounded, and it was horrible. And I, it's so vivid to me, it's just, but it was like Karen was laying right here to my right. And it's like I was straddled by a demon. Had his knees just across my chest. And I'm going to kill you. And I mean, I, I it's like I tried to come up and I couldn't, like I was pinned. And I tried to come up. And I literally cried out the name of Jesus, help me. And when I did that, it just like he was gone, just like that. I'm sitting, and I just came right up. Now, that's, I'm hesitant to say those kind of things because people think, well, you know, because I don't know all about it. I just know the reality of what I was dealing with there. And uh, I don't know what you deal with. That's why when you walk into church, I don't know what you've been through. You may have been through things that you don't want to tell anybody. You know, you don't even know how to describe what's going on. I don't like drinking while I'm preaching, but that had to. But I just want to encourage you tonight, there's power in prayer. Then there's the provision for prayer. We talked about the lamp, the Holy Spirit of God, <clears throat> guiding us, leading us, encouraging us, prompting us. The person of prayer, the veil, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our high priest, our great high priest. And he is our advocate and he's our intercessor. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And uh, then there's the, the practice of prayer. And we talked about that we need to pray morning and evening and noon and pray without ceasing. Amen. And then number eight tonight, and I like this one, it's a privilege to pray. Amen. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. I, I'll tell you, talking about a privilege. I, I can't get through to the president. I can't get through to anybody hardly, you know, but I can get through to God. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, I'd like to have talked to Trump two or three times, but if I called up there, I ain't going to get a hold of him. I, you know, but isn't it amazing tonight I can go to the throne of my heavenly father, the God of glory? What a privilege, amen. And the song says, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And I want you tonight to get this in your heart. Don't look at prayer some kind of duty. Oh, I got to say my prayers. Oh, no, that's a terrible attitude. Hey, what a privilege it is to get to talk. To, you know, man, I want to tell you something. It's a privilege to talk to God. It's a privilege to say, Lord, you know, isn't it nice that you can tell every, you, you, you telling God things you ain't told your spouse. Right? I'm telling you, listen, it's a privilege that God would listen to us. And I just want to encourage you about that tonight. In, in verse number six there, he said, where I will meet with thee, that God would meet with me. What a privilege. And I just want to, kids, young people, get it down. It's a privilege to talk to God. Don't look at it as some kind of, well, I got to say my prayers. <laughs> that's, that's offbeat. Man, get to where you love to talk to God. Amen. <clears throat> uh, you never notice. Whenever I, I met Karen and I kind of, I, 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 what happened that rabbit on that movie? What happened? Uh, Twitter painted. I got twi How many of you guys got Twitter painted? <clears throat> All right. I see a few pe young people in this church that are Twitter painted right now. Amen. That's okay. Amen. It's, it's hard to get Twitter. But boy, I tell you what, to get to talk to Karen, to get to talk to Karen, to get to talk to Karen. Boy, I tell you what, Brother Luce, I was happy to get to talk to Karen. You know something? Uh, it was a privilege. I thought it was a privilege to get to talk to her. And oh my goodness, uh, get, get her alone and talk to her. That was a real privilege. Amen. But you just think tonight, what a privilege it is to talk to God, our Father. Number nine, the prescription for prayer. And that's in chapter 30 and verse number 34. You'll have to flip over there a little bit. <clears throat> the prescription for prayer. God has a prescription for prayer. And he said over there, the Lord said in Moses, verse 34, take unto these sweet spices, stacked anka, galbanum, and these, these sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall they be a like weight. Now God says sweet twice in there. How many of us have a song called Sweet Hour of Prayer? That came from this text. Prayer is to be sweet. Prayer is sweet to God. And it has a sweet smelling savor, the Bible says, to pray to God. You know something? I want to, I want to encourage you to do something. When you pray, start off like this. Lord, I just want you to know I love you. How many likes to be told by somebody that you, they love you? And you say, oh, that's sweet of you. <laughs> well, it is sweet. Amen. Now, you guys don't act, don't act too macho on me, okay? You like for your wife to tell you that she loves you, amen? And now, how many's ever heard of this sweet talk? How many of you guys have ever sweet talked? <laughs> you ought to see the faces I'm seeing. <laughs> Would somebody like to come up here and practice and show us how it's done? Would anybody, any of you husbands like to tell us how you sweet talked your wife? Some of you sweet talked her. You wouldn't have got her. I know. She's got more sense than that. But you sweet talked her into it. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Our, our, our talk and our prayer is sweet to God. God wants to hear from you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. He wants you. Prayer is sweet. I don't know how to say it anymore. I don't know how to preach this. Prayer is sweet to God. But there's a prescription. Look what he says there. Thou shalt make it per perfume, verse 35, the confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. Where is that at? We already know from early part chapter. That's at the altar of incense. He said, you take that, uh, put it before the testimony. That's before the covenant. It's the, it's the golden altar. That's where that 
was to go to, okay? And he said, where I will meet with thee, it shall be unto you most holy. Prayer is most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. Now, God said, I'm giving you a prescription of this incense, and I don't want you monkeying with it. I don't want you to make your own kind, and I don't want you to use it for other purposes. This is incense. I'm giving you the prescription for it. The prescription for prayer is, is that we come to the Father in the name of Jesus on the basis of his blood, praying in the Spirit. That's the prescription. Now, there's a little bit more to this. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But I also this. Jesus taught us to pray, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It needs to start with praise. Hallowed means that you hallow, you reverence, you honor. You, it's a worship word. And you come into his presence. You don't walk, I'm going to tell you something right now. You don't walk in the presence of God, popping your gum and acting like you're nowhere. You are in the presence of a holy, righteous, wonderful God. And he's invited you to come boldly, but not foolishly. And I'll just tell you right now, we need a little more. We, I'll tell you right now, if you, you die, I promise you, you're not going to come waltzing around up there in heaven. You're going to be reverent to God. You're going to be reverent. And we need more reverence in our worship to the Lord. And, but there's a prescription. Now, I'm going to get a little bit more into that. Uh, but there's another thing in the prescription of prayer, and that is not my will, but thy will be done. That's praying. Okay. Now. Uh, number 10, we're going to jump on during that, but uh, persistence, persistence in prayer. This altar teaches us a lot of things, but number 10 is persistence. Look at verse number eight, chapter 30. And uh, he said there in chapter number 30, verse number eight, he said, and when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense. What's it tell you in the New Testament to do? To pray what? Without? Perpetual. God expects you to pray from the time you get saved to the time you die. Amen. When you, what did Jesus, did you know the last thing Jesus did was pray? Into thy hands I commit my spirit. I think we ought to die talking to God. Amen. Die talking to God. Lord, into thine hands I commit my spirit. And he said, perpetually pray. Pray without ceasing. I'm going to tell you what, you need, how many has ever been to a parking lot and you couldn't find a place to park? You ought to pray. Say, Lord, show me a place to park. Amen. I mean, Lord, if you need a doctor, I said, Lord, show me which doctor to go to. Pray about everything. Amen. Just say, Lord, what, what, I mean, everything you're doing, just start asking God, talking to God to pray about it. I, now, I, one of my little entertainments in this world is sawing logs. Now, that may not sound like fun to you, but somehow or another, I get a kick out of it. Now, I am going to tell you that <clears throat> I've said this before, and somebody ought to do it. I ain't going to do it. I'm too old. But it, how many has ever been around where they're cutting a white oak log? Oh, don't that smell good? Don't that smell good? Mm-mm, perfume. If somebody would take white oak sawdust, you could make a perfume out of that and call it white oak for men only. <laughs> the masculine perfume. Then if you wanted to be racial about it, you could get red oak or black oak. Black oak cologne. That's for blacks and white oaks for whites. And then you can get red oaks for the reds. And make you perfume, amen? But I'm telling you, somebody, somebody ought to do that. But anyway, I love that. But uh, I, 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 Kenny, he brought me some logs. And boy, he brought me some nice logs. And I was cutting on them. And there's a log come up there. And, 
And, and I thought, boy, you know, if I just do this thing right, it might make two beams. I like to cut beams, and I can just see what I can do with a log. Cut, cutting logs kind of like God cutting on me and you. By the way, the tabernacle has boards in it. In that tabernacle, in that main deal, there's boards that stand upright, and they've been cut. A lot of things had to happen. How many knows what has to happen for a board to be made to a tree? How, what has to happen to a tree for a board to be made? Has to die. Has to die. You can take a sawmill and learn more about Jesus than about anything I know. But uh, anyway, I'll be a moking only, and I'll run into something, a problem. I'll say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me figure this out. And I'll walk around in two or three minutes. The next thing I know, something pops in my head, and uh, there he takes care of it. And he showed me what to do or how to do. It's kind of fun doing that. And I've learned if I just, and sometimes I stop and get on my knee, one knee, and I say, Lord, I don't want to call nobody. They, they don't know much more than I do anyway. And Lord, <laughs> Would you help me? And, and, you know, it's just funny how God helps. There's, pray about everything. I'm talking about pray about everything. But persistence, it, pray without ceasing. I mean, make it so real. That old song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry what? Half, half the things to God in prayer, everything to God in prayer. Well, God wants you to pray without, he wants you to be per, uh, persistent in prayer. And then number 11, he wants passion in prayer. Oh, I like this one here passion in prayer. Uh, uh, I'm the kind of person, I think anything you do, you ought to do with passion. Now, you don't have, it may not be good, I don't know, but the Bible said, whatsoever you do, do it hardly as unto the Lord and not unto men. So you know what that tells me? God wants you to put your heart in what you're doing and be sincere about it and put your soul into it. Amen. I mean, I've said this before. I played basketball with an old boy when I was in high school. And, and I tell you what, He's a good old boy. I, I loved him. He's a good friend. But he, this is how he would do. He was maybe somebody would make a basket and he would trod down the court like this. And by the time he got down to it, it was all heading that back that way. So he turned around. And, and by the time he got about to he turned around, he just went back and forth. That made everybody was running past him. And he just act like, I don't care whether we win or lose. I'm just out here. I don't like that. I like to put your heart into it. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're going to kiss your wife, lay it on her. Amen. If you're going to kiss your husband, give him a kiss. Amen. <clears throat> Throw one leg around him and say, you're the sweetest thing to ever hit the country. Amen. I mean, you're talking about you'll wake your husband up. Amen. Passion. I know some of you sitting there like that, but it might help your marriage a little bit if you'd put a little passion into it. That's what's wrong with a lot of marriages. Amen. You, get, you lose the passion. And if we're not careful, it gets, it gets wrong with our relationship with Jesus Christ. We get where we're not passionate about it. I come to church. We're passionate in church. I'm telling you, we come to worship the king. I'm not up here monkeying around. I'm not at a rock concert. I'm worshiping the king, amen. And I want to put passion into it. Look at what it says there in verse number seven. We're talking about passion. He said, and Aaron shall burn. They're on sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. He said in the book of James, he said, the effectual, watch this, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. David said, this poor man cried unto God and the Lord heard him and brought him up out of a horrible pit. And I'm going to tell you, God wants you to put your heart into it, put some passion into it. Amen. I'm going to tell you what, I want to be in a church where there's some passion going on. I'll tell you, if somebody has a passion for souls, somebody has a passion for the glory of God, somebody has a passion for the marriages, somebody has a passion for children and has a passion to sing for God. I want the piano played with passion, amen. I want singing with passion. Burn. The fervent means hot, heat. Put your heart into it, amen. God says pray. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? 
availeth much, the Bible said. And so God wants you to cry out and have an effectual prayer. Man, those two disciples on the Emmaus road, there's a talking with Jesus. And what did they say after they got done? Did not our hearts burn within us? Amen. Our hearts, I'm telling you, we're talking with God. And God got a hold of my heart. Amen. I, I keep going back. Well, anyway, we better go on for a, number 12. And this is where I was going to get to well, the perversion. If you want to feel in about the perversion of prayer. Chapter 30 and verse number nine says, ye shall offer no strange incense thereon. Okay. Now, I want you to notice something here in prayer. Now, first of all, we talk about the people of prayer, people that have been saved, been to the, been to the brazen altar, right? You brought a lamb, you've had the sacrifice, you've got a savior. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon. Watch this. Look at the next thing in your verse. Nor burnt sacrifice. Nor meat offering, neither shall you drink, pour drink offering thereon. What was that? Christ, there were five offerings. And Christ is a picture of those offerings when he offered himself. Those five offerings are a picture of what Jesus did for you and I. And they have different aspects. Those offerings were about the sacrifice for salvation. What's God telling you? You're not getting saved again and again and again and again. You're not, Christians don't pray to get saved again. You're not re-crucifying Christ. That's strange fire. Okay? But there's other strange fire. Nadab and Abihu had strange fire. Now, I said a little bit about this. Go. Uh, I wonder, now, this, how many noticed this morning this? And, and I'm just going to get real with you about some things, okay? And you just run this through because we're, you know, I don't, I don't want to take away from something. But this morning we got ready to pray and I asked Joel to come play the piano. Now, I want to ask you a question. Can a person honestly pray without the piano playing? <laughs> I want you to think about this. Many churches and religions, you've got to have candles. You've got to have the right mood. You've got to have a swinging incense bucket. <clears throat> By the way, Catholic Church, their incense, their incense bucket, there. see, there's, there's, there's a connection. There's some element of truth in that. There's a reason the priest is swinging it. He's telling you, I am the one you pray through. That's right. He's lying to you about prayer. He's trying to tell you, you can't pray to God. You've got to pray through him. Now, I think we've had a candlelight service here a time or two. I'm not against them. But if you're not careful, you walk into churches and here's what's going on. They're offering strange fire. They're crying, trying to create a, ooh, oh, that was so, oh, that was so neat. The, and, and let's have the piano playing and every head bowed and every eye closed. And we're trying to create this, ooh. Now I want to ask you something. Can a woman washing dishes with no music playing, can she pray? If you're not careful, we're teaching people strange fire. We're, cre- we're, we're creating a fire of fervency, of devotion that God never requested. Yeah. You can be riding your horse, Brother Jerry. You can be riding your horse and pray. Ain't that right? You can be feeding hay to cattle and you can pray. Some of the best praying you're ever going to do is like that. A man told me this morning right after church, he said, Reggie, I'm telling you, I appreciate that message so much. He said, I've got a deer stand. I ain't never killed a deer out of it, but I saw more deer than you can imagine. But he said, it's my praying deer stand. 
And he said, I got it facing the east where the sun comes up. And he said, I'll be in that deer stand. And he said, there's where I can have a good time praying to God. There ain't no music. He, he don't take the recorder with him to play just as I am. <laughs> he don't take candles to light. I don't know if I'm getting this across, but you want to be careful about strange fire. Here's more strange fire. I said about this the other evening. Going along and, and so I'm going to pray with Brother Lutz. Oh, Lord, I, I want you to know how much I love Brother Lutz. He's been such a blessing to me. Oh, Lord, bless Brother Lutz. He's so just a nice guy. Lord, he's been such a sweet friend of mine. Oh, Lord, I plead best. But... Be careful about that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of buttering up in prayer that you wouldn't, have said, you wouldn't have said that to him to their face at all. But boy, somehow does that make us feel spiritual? Is, is, there's something a little strange about that. Be yeah. careful about that. I'm not saying you don't love them. I'm not saying you don't mean it, but I just say, if you really mean that, just say, hey, Brother Luce, you've been a blessing to me. Am I talking to God or am I talking? Watch this. Here it is. Am I talking to God or am I talking to him? When you're praying, who are you talking to? Jesus said the scribes and the Pharisees prayed on the corners, you know, to be heard of men. Oh, wasn't that the sweetest prayer? And some old boy, you ask him to pray and he just stumbles. And he hesitates, but his heart's in it. Amen. Amen. So really be careful about strange fire. <clears throat> You're seeing a lot of strange fire in churches, creating the mood, getting in the mood, the music, the lights, all that kind of stuff. You don't need that. I'm going to tell you right now, you can be out on the backside of your farm, fall on your face before Almighty God. He's going to hear you just as much as if you're having music played and the lights are low. Watch out for strange fire. That's a perversion. Number 13, the prompting of prayer. <clears throat> Let me just say to you, the old timers used to say this, just backing up a second, that the use of carnal means to kindle the fire of devotion. I wrote this down. It was so good. The use of carnal means... To kindle the fire of devotion. Are you listening? Be careful about that. The use of carnal means to, to kindle the light of devotion, the fire of devotion. It's kind of dangerous. And so if, I, I would tell you, Greek Orthodox, notorious for that kind of stuff. Catholic Church, notorious for that kind of stuff. A lot of Protestant churches, notorious for that kind of stuff. Number 13, the prompting of prayer. We got to go. The prompting of prayer. Um, the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray and, and uh, you, you just need to let the Holy Spirit be the one. God's told us to pray. We don't need to, you know, somebody coercing us and all that kind of stuff. The prompting of prayer, the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been prompted to pray? You know, the Lord just spoke to you. I said, you know, so-and-so brought so-and-so to your mind. Let the Holy Spirit be the one that prompts you to pray. The Lord will prompt you to pray, I promise you. And be sensitive to that. Number 14, the people of prayer. This gets into something in, in chapter 28. If you back up to chapter 28 and verse 29. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel upon the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. The Bible said in the New Testament to pray one for another. We're talking about the, 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 uh, the, the people of prayer. We are priests. Okay. And we are to intercede for one another. Now watch this. The great, the, the high priest had a breastplate. We'll get into this maybe down the road somewhere. But it had the 12 stones in it that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And he wore it on his breast over his heart. 
and he would go into that holy place and he was to pray for the tribes of Israel, the people of Israel. And the picture of this, the primary picture is Jesus Christ is our great high priest and he has you on his heart. And he is interceding for you. The secondary picture of it is that you and I, and you can ask my wife about this. I pray for y'all. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. Samuel said he was God's priest in that day. And he said, it's a sin for me not to continually pray for the people that God had given him spiritual responsibility. It's a sin for me not to pray for you. Now I'm going to ask y'all to do something for me next Sunday morning's giving Sunday. I'm going to give you my Christmas list right now. I want you to bring me a picture of your family. And I want you to put the names of every child under there. I'm under conviction. I was reading my Bible and God said, my, my sheep follow me and I know them. And he said, I know them by name. And I've been pastoring people in this church for years and I don't even know their names. They're children. I mean, who could know eight or ten children? <laughs> Mom and daddy's getting mixed up. Amen. <clears throat> but I'm serious with you. Why? Here's the deal. I want to have something. I want to have me a prayer book where I can get your picture of your family with the names and I can pray for everyone in your family. That's what I want that for. I want you, please give me those, would you? If it's just you, I want your picture and your name underneath it. You say, well, you know me. I might not. I might forget it. But I want to pray for you. All right? I'm talking here about, about the, the people of prayer. God says pray one for another. That one of the best things we can do is pray one for another. And I want to pray for you. The one of the best things I can do, if, I'm just going to be honest with you. I got no business preaching at you if I'm not going to pray for you. If I don't love you enough to pray for you, uh, God, I don't think I'd have the right to preach to you. And so if you'll bring that to me, I'll appreciate it. You just have, you just get up there and take your big family selfie, okay? <clears throat> and do that. But we're to bear, the Bible says bear one another's burdens. And that breastplate hung here on the shoulders and so forth. And we're to bear our burdens and we need to pray one for another and so forth like that. Number 15, if you're looking at your deal there, the preciousness of prayer. Uh, it was sweet incense. Back over in chapter 34 through 38, we read that about the thing. And we got that song, the sweet hour of prayer. And I want to tell you right now, prayer is precious. Amen. Prayer is a precious thing. Number, number 16, the permanence of prayer. <clears throat> That's in verse number eight again of chapter 30 about the perpetually. It said it'd be out throughout your generations. I'm going to tell you something. Write this down somewhere in your soul. Prayer is not taught. Prayer is caught. Kids learn to pray. Not by being taught. They, they're taught by what their parents are doing. And I'm going to tell you right now that the, the, there's a string of prayer that ties me back to the Lord. I can remember be, as a boy, my mom and dad kneeling together, just kneeling around the, in the living room there, kneeling and praying. I've walked in on my mama on her knees praying before in room when I was a kid, grow up. And maybe didn't know where mom was. I just had to be going through the house or coming in the house from being outside. And the side room there, my mom prayed. My mom used to talk about my grandma Rhodes when she had five sons in World War II and two son-in-law, seven of them in the war at one time. She said, I've seen my mother at, the, at that old wood stove <clears throat> making bread or cooking and said she wore an apron. And she said, I've seen her just stop, put every, just stop, grab her apron up and do this with her hands and turn around and run into the bedroom and fall on her knees and begin to cry out to God for one of the boys. They all came home. What was she doing? She was praying. It was precious to her to be able to talk to God about her children. 
prayer is, 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 but God wants, you say this, the permanence is precious and God wants it to be permanent. God wants it passed on. I want to ask yourself a question. Have we taught our children to pray? Have we taught our children to pray? I'm not, I'm, I'm not against the little nighttime prayer. I'm not against saying, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I'm not against that. But I want to encourage you, my, my children, my boys may not hold too much to this, but I tell you, one of the most precious memories I've got is kneeling down with my boys and telling my boys, we, let's pray. We didn't do it a lot, but on occasion we did. And, we, and I, I can just remember kneeling with my boys, small, you know, they was seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 years old, and just praying. Maybe being out in the hayfield and just the back of the pickup truck and asking God to help us, whatever it might be. And I hope, I hope that they pick that up. I wish I'd have done a better job, I'll tell you that. I wish I'd done a lot more. I didn't do yes, I didn't do two percent of what I should have done. But I'm gonna tell you something. You can drag them to church. And they might say, well, that was just church. But you ain't never, go, they'll never get away from you praying at home, praying out there when you're at the shop, praying out there in the hayfield, praying out there where you're working doing, in the things you're doing. They, you, you go hunting. Uh, I've, I've knelt with my, my kids. We go hunting and say, Lord, help us kill a big this morning. <laughs> Pray about everything. <clears throat> Has anybody ever done that besides me? Is anybody that selfish besides me? Okay, amen. All right. Now, it's number 17 is preparation for prayer. And in verse number, uh, uh, somebody help me find this. But yeah, verse number seven, verse number seven, the preparation for prayer is dress the lamps. Trim your lamp, my feeble brother. You know that song? Anybody know that song besides me? I'm, and the song is, Trim your lamp. Keep your lamps trimmed. We've, and, you know, we, we, we just flip the light now. We don't think anything about it. But in order to have good light when they had lamps, they had to keep them trimmed. Had to get all that suit away from them. And there's a lesson in that. That before you're going to pray, confess your sin, trim the lamps, get cleaned up. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So but when you go to pray, make confession. We have went through that earlier, but confessing your sin, being honest with God, dressing your lamps. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, pray through me. So there, there's this preparation for prayer, dressing the lamps. Then there's the personalness of prayer. And boy, I love this. And verse number six is this, where I will meet with me. And I know I'm kind of rolling through different things, but the personalness, and I know that's not a good English word, maybe. How, how, how should I say that? The personalness of prayer. Personalness. It's personal. Amen? It's personal. I will meet with thee. It's personal. I'm glad I can pray to God. I'm glad I can be where I can talk to God out there during the week. Number 19, the promise of prayer. God has promised over and over again to hear and to answer prayer. Call in me, I will answer thee. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Over and over again, Jesus in the New Testament. You know, you say into this mountain, be thou removed and cast thee. Don't doubt in your heart. It'll be done. If you pray, all, what, all things are possible to him that believeth. And I'm telling you something, the promises of prayer, and I, don't, I could preach all the rest of the evening on just the promises of prayer. But God promises to hear prayer. And he'll answer, it may be no. It may be later. It may be yes, but he'll answer prayer. And he'll, ha he'll do what's best for you and I. Then there's the potential of prayer. Number 20, the potential of prayer. All things are possible. Man, I'll tell you what, through, through prayer, more is done through prayer than you could imagine. 
Man, if we would just reach out the potential that we have in prayer. You know, how many members of Hezekiah? The Assyrians surrounded Jerusalem. They're, they're sending stuff over the wall. You need to surrender. You need to give up. You're surrounded. There's no hope. There's no hope. And he wrote, took that up. He took that letter from Sennacherib, took it up to the temple, didn't he? Laid it up there and said, Lord, you see what they're, what they're saying? And he prayed. There was no hope. Humanly speaking, there was no hope. And he prayed. What did God do? You tell me what God did. He sent one angel. One of you guys go down there and take care of it. That guy prayed tonight. I want, to take, I want to answer his prayer. One of you angels, Lord, I'll go. No, just one of you needs to go. It's just Sennacherib and 185,000 guys. <laughs> one angel comes down and kills 185,000. They're all laying there dead the next morning because somebody prayed. Now you tell me that. Now he said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, Elijah was a man, Elijah, you're talking about power. You're talking about power and prayer. Elijah, all them, what were they, 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of the groves? And here's Elijah by himself. And he said, we're going to find out who's God. We're going to find out who's worshiping God. He said, now you guys go first. And they danced and jigged and hooped and hollered and had their contemporary worship service. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they got up there, slashed themselves, and, and you know, and some people think that. But I, the way my nature is, I hear Elijah say, "Come on, you guys, maybe he's asleep. I don't know. You reckon he's asleep? But maybe he went on a trip. He's on vacation or something. I don't know." He mocked them. Elijah, them guys, pretty rough. Now, some people say, "Well, I don't think he. Well, I don't know how he talked to him. I wasn't there, but the Bible says he mocked them. Yep. Says you ain't hollering loud enough. He's asleep. Wake him up." <laughs> We have a louder church service. And then Elijah, they got all done. I'm talking about power and potential of prayer. He said, Lord, for your glory's sake, not to make me look good among these people, but for your glory's sake. And then he did something. Boy, I like this. He said, go get 12 barrels of water. Soak that sucker down because you're going to know it wasn't no magic to this deal. And they soaked that thing down, 12 barrels of water. And he got on his face and prayed, and I'll tell you, the fire of God fell and consumed that whole deal up. And then he did something that you wouldn't do. He said, kill them all. (laughs) 850 of them. Out. We're getting rid of Baal. I'll tell you, you, anyway, there's power in prayer. Amen? Amen. There's power in prayer. We need to get a hold of it. We need to get the the potential. It's like I say, we got lights in here, but if you don't flip them on, Ain't no, nothing coming. If you don't get a hold of the power. I had an old red pickup one time, a little love pickup, and that sucker, I don't know what happened to it. It kept, the battery kept dying, the battery kept dying. They checked the alternate, they checked everything. Could it just kept dying. It's like my spiritual life. It just, it's like chilling the fever, chilling the fever. You know, I got, I'm a malaria Christian. <laughs> up one day and down the next, up one day and hot one and cold. But anyway, finally found out that a wire had rubbed the insulation and it was grounding out against the body of that truck. And I said, there's a spiritual truth. You get grounded to the world, world and the power goes out of your life. Boy, but if you're hooked up to the battery, let me tell you, every once in a while, battery needs to be recharged. Amen? There's power and potential in prayer. And then uh, number 21, we're about down uh, the priority of prayer. Uh, Timothy, Paul told Timothy, first of all, prayers. First of all, pray. All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray that holy man will come down. There's a priority in prayer. Prayer is a priority. As I said, Paul, the Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against thee in ceasing to pray for thee. 
So prayers are making a priority in your life. How many say, you know what, Reggie? Okay, watch this. I want the piano playing. Every head bowed, every eye. Who'll make prayer a priority? Why don't you just stand up and say, I'm going to, God be me up, I'm going to make prayer a priority in my life. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go home tonight. No fancy doings, but you know what? I'm going to leave here a different person. Prayer is going to become a priority of my life. I'm going to pray about everything, every situation, and I'm going to pray. It's a priority. Number 22, a big one, the price of prayer. The price of prayer. That's in verse number 10. The Bible said in verse number 10, Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in the year with the blood. There was a price paid so you could, you could pray. It was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that he, the, the, see, they were to anoint the horns of this altar with blood once a year. Then they went on into the, the holy, most holy place and anointed the mercy seat there with blood, sprinkled blood. But you and I couldn't pray tonight were it for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. The righteousness and the holiness of God was satisfied by the death of Jesus Christ. And his blood was shed so that you and I could have access and I want to tell you, there's a price paid for you and I just to be able to say, Lord, I need you tonight. Some of you guys are just going 90 miles an hour. Kenny, bless your heart. Kenny told me the other day he's got six crews running. He said he needs six more men. <laughs> he said, get guys out of it. Man, I'll tell you what, Kenny, if I was you, I'd just spend my, all my time praying. I'd do a lot of praying. You, a lot of you are going to go out tomorrow, you've got a lot on your mind. Some of you have got some rough problems facing you. Some of you want to be married. You ain't got any more sense. <laughs> you know, you, you can always tell the, 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 the ladies, the, the ones who aren't married, they smile the best. You know, they, after they get married, their smile kind of goes. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to pray about everything. The Lord brings something, just pray about it. Lord, should I have that job? Lord, guide me, direct me today. Put me in touch. Lord, give me great grace. Give me strength. Give me boldness. Give me love. And just talk to God all the time. But there's a price paid for you to be able to go in the presence of God. And it was the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And you and I couldn't even approach the throne of grace had it not been that his blood was applied. God made a way for you and I. And then finally, number 23, we're there. The partner in prayer. There's a partner in prayer. How many ever said, got on your knees, you don't know how to pray? I don't know what to say. Recently, that's just seemed like, that's been a lot of my prayer life. I get on my knees and say, Lord, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to pray. How many ever had situations in your life? You don't know what the, you don't know what the answer is. You, know what, you don't know what, what to do. You don't, know, you don't know how to pray. The Bible said this, for we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit, makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Isn't that something? God says, I've even made provision in this picture of prayer so that you would have a partner. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's right there in your text. The light and the lamp. And he's made a provision. So when I'm kneeling and I'm praying, I say, Lord, I don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit is praying according to the will of God through me. And you just say, Lord, I I don't know, but I just, Lord, please do your will. But God, do something. God, do what needs to be done. I don't know how to pray. Oftentimes, I may think this is the answer, and it's not the answer at all. But God knows. 
Well, it's 8.03. That's a miracle of God. Amen. Some of you have been praying. Oh, Lord, help that guy to cut the fat out of his messages. I tell you, if you want to see something neat on Wednesday night, <clears throat> on Wednesday night, these guys have been preaching. Brother Lee, he was up here. He was the first one to go. Man, he was a, boy, he got to preaching on the cross. Amen. But I was sitting by the preaching of the cross. Amen. Foolishness to this world. And boy, you can't not believe how fast time goes when you get, when they get in the saddle about 10 after eight or 15 after eight and they look at that clock and they go, oh my goodness. And the other night, Brother Josh got up there and he was a, and he was, you can just see he was wanting to preach and he's like that, but it's good for him. You know what it makes them do? It makes them get fired and they get in a rush. Amen. And I like for preachers to get in a hurry. Abraham Lincoln said he likes to see preachers preach like this, fighting a, arm, a, a hive of bees. Yeah. Can you imagine a preacher fighting like he's a preaching like he's fighting a hive of bees? He's a swinging amen. And uh, Jim got up the other night. Boy, I've, I've been, you want to see, I mean, you only have good, we've been having good services on Wednesday night. Amen. And then we get done and guess what we do after they preach? We're praying. And God's hearing and God's answering. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm so tickled to know the true God who hears and answers prayer. And I want you to know he's interested in hearing from you. Ain't never been one time in my life that God said, Reggie, I ain't got time right now. Just back off, go on your way, do something else. I ain't got time to hear you. You talking about an amazing miracle to me is that it just never, ever. <clears throat> I sold cattle for years. You can't believe how you can pray when you're selling cattle. Oh, God, help him to bid another time. Oh, Lord, make him bid one more time. <laughs> you say, you prayed like, sure, I prayed like that. Amen. Yes, sir. And I've seen the owners praying too. Oh, God, help. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, I mean, I, I, could, t I could write a book on answered prayer, or li literally just answered prayer. Well, I tell you what, let's stand and sing tonight. We got a sister coming to pray. Amen. God bless you, sister. I'm glad there's liberty for somebody to come pray. Some of you might want to come pray with her. Say, you know what? You ain't praying alone. We're going to help you bear your burden tonight. Some of you come and pray. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Reggie, you've been preaching on prayer. Why don't we pray? Oh, Brother Ronnie Simpson said we preach on prayer, teach on prayer, talk on prayer, and don't pray. They didn't care, but that's what we do. Just want to encourage us to obey the Lord tonight.